This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Lord, you made you the eyes, and so you understand the eyes, and we ask that you would now open the eyes of our understanding that we might, Lord, read these scriptures and understand who our great Savior is. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to the disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Okay, now, where we are in this history now is that the Passover dinner is now over, and in that dinner, when Christ took the bread and the wine, Christ made the very momentous, very significant announcement that he was the Lamb of God. He was the Lamb of God in a borrowed room with this small little band of disciples. He makes this eternal announcement that Jesus Christ is, was the long-awaited Passover Lamb. And that was momentous. And it, and it happened there, as I mentioned, in this borrowed room. It doesn't matter where the place is. What matters is what the place was. You know, yesterday, or day before yesterday, day before yesterday, Friday, we had a Congress at Scantabodies on breast cancer, and people came from Mexico City and from Guadalajara, 
and and all over and they said and they and people and someone said to me says why Takati they say why Takati they say why Takati they always say why Takati I always say why not Takati but I said it doesn't matter where it matters what it doesn't matter where it doesn't matter Bethlehem it doesn't matter Nazareth it matters what happened there what it doesn't matter a borrowed room it matters what happened there and this was the great announcement that he was the, the long-awaited Lamb of God. So they leave the room, they're walking through the city, he announces to them in that very night that they're all gonna fall into this trap of stumbling in their faith, they're all gonna desert him, they're all gonna run for their lives. But that was the most wonderful Passover dinner that the disciples had ever been to, their faith was they felt so strong, they felt so good, and then to hear that before they went to sleep that night that they're all gonna abandon Christ, they said to themselves, the way I feel tonight? It was like, oh, no, 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 not me, not this night, not, not ever. That night, they felt so strong in their devotion to Christ, and they were so encouraged and so lifted up that when they heard Christ say that this very night, even though you feel so good, you're gonna fall away, they strongly disagreed. And they argued with Christ. They said, even if it means death, we're not gonna turn away from you. And Christ just said nothing more, but just moved on to a place called Gethsemane. And they arrived at that place called Gethsemane, and it's marked with the word in verse 36, then, it says in verse 36, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And with that one word, then, in that verse 36, a time is marked out. A time is marked out, and it's like there's a ground of history in front of him, and he strikes a stake into the ground of history, and he says, now it's gonna start. Here was the now when his agony in this garden was gonna start. This was the now's the time, as he mentioned before in Matthew 24, 8, Matthew 24, 8, he spoke about a beginning of sorrows. This is a beginning of sorrows, and now is the time when Jesus Christ will become the great Isaiah 53, 3, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And the disciples had no idea this is the amazing thing. They had no idea what was gonna come. They had no idea, as he'd mentioned before, that God the Father had given a command to a sword. And they didn't know that God the Father had given this charge to a sword. And the command that God the Father gave to the sword was, wake up. He says to a sword, wake up, sword. And that command came from God the Father, and he and has already been referenced in Zechariah 13.7, Zechariah 13.7, awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And because of that command for the sword to wake up and strike Christ, the disciples would be, according to Zechariah 13, 7, scattered. And that's what he was talking about. 
And so on their walk, so we can imagine the moonlight lighting away as they're walking through the city of Jerusalem. And in that group, as they're walking there, this group, he and his disciples, there's only one person who heard God the, the Father give this command to the sword to wake up. So that person, of course, is Jesus Christ. Disciples had no idea. They did not know that the command was given. So with this one word in verse 36, then Christ knew that the command for the sword to wake up and strike him was the, was the, was the beginning of, the start of Isaiah 53.10. Isaiah 53.10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. The time has come now. The sword's waking up. It's gonna strike Christ, and Christ knows it. And this has, has not come as a surprise to Christ. He's been anticipating this. He's been seeing it all along the time. This was the time, and for a long time before he's seen this, it's like he saw dark clouds gathering in the sky. He knew the storm was coming. The sky was turning black with those clouds and it was very disturbing for Christ as he saw this because as he saw the time approaching, he said in John 12, 27, John 12, 27, now is my soul troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. So figuratively speaking, he calls the time that starts in the Garden of Gethsemane, he calls it this hour. It's more than an hour, but he calls it this hour. It's much more than an hour, but he's referring to the whole time. It's interesting. He refers to the whole time as an hour. An hour is long. An hour is not a second. An hour is not, it's not a minute. An hour is an hour. It's long. But by the same token, an hour is not a day, and an hour is not a week, and an hour is not a month, and an hour is not a year, an hour is defined. And there's an end to the hour. We think of an hour, okay, there's an hour. It's an hour. It is an hour, but it's only an hour. And he speaks of the end of this hour of agony in Luke twenty-two thirty-seven. Luke twenty-two thirty-seven, when he says, for I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. See, in this verse, when he says in Luke twenty-two thirty-seven, when he says that his sufferings must be accomplished, that he's gonna be reckoned with the transgressors, he says that, but at the same time, in that same verse, in Luke 22, 37, in looking at the sufferings, he said, it's not gonna be forever, but there's gonna be an end of the sufferings. It's an hour. It's a long hour, but it's just an hour. And he says, in regard to that, that verse, Luke 22, 37, he says, the things concerning me have an end. There is an end. The hour will be over when the hour's over. And here in verse 36, as he's entering the Garden of Gethsemane, he's not at the end of his hour, he's at the beginning of his hour of suffering. 
And the record starts off in verse 36 by saying, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. He says, a place called Gethsemane. The name is emphasized. It's a place, it's called Gethsemane. It doesn't say that he was forced to go to this place called Gethsemane. It doesn't say that he was wandering around that night and stumbled onto a place called Gethsemane. It's, it's very clear. There's a, there's a real um, definitiveness of it. There's intention here. The verse says that he went to a place called Gethsemane. He knew that his hour was gonna start in this place called Gethsemane, and he knew that the command from God the Father had already been given, wake up, sword, and strike Christ. And so he, he knows all this, but yet of his own will, he goes to this place called Gethsemane. And he goes there with all of this in sight because he said in John 10, 18, John 10, 18, no man takes my life from me but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So he goes to this place called Gethsemane where this chain of events is gonna start that's gonna lead to him losing his life and he saw all of that and he goes there willingly because he said, I lay it down of myself in John 10, 18. John 8, 10, 18, I lay it down of myself. Well, why did he do that? Why did he go to what's gonna come to laying it down his life? Because there was another command from God. There was another command from God the Father. He said that in John 10, 18. John 10, 18, this commandment have I received my Father. So Christ had a commandment from God the Father. The sword had a commandment from God the Father. The commandment from God the Father to the sword was wake up and strike Christ. The commandment from God the Father to Christ was stand up and take it. Receive the blows from the awakened sword. And so hearing both of these commandments to the sword and to himself, now we get the impact in verse 36. Verse 36, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. This is the place, very important place, where his sufferings are gonna start. And it has a name, it's called Gethsemane. It's on a hill in front of Jerusalem. And the hill's called the Mount of Olives. And the place of Gethsemane is located in the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives, a nice fertile hill in front of Jerusalem, produced a lot of rich harvest of olives from which the rich olive oil came, olive oil, nutritious olive oil, delicious, nourished the people, made them strong. Everybody loved the olive oil. And the olives didn't just drip out their rich oil you know, you couldn't put a bunch of olive oils up there in, in a bucket and then all of a sudden you expect the oil to come out. Doesn't happen that way. Olives keep their rich oil in themselves, carefully locked up in the flesh of the olives. 
And so to get the oil out, there's got to be a mill. There's got to be an olive mill or an olive press that's going to break the olives, that's going to crush the olives, that's going to squeeze that rich oil out of the olives. After they've been broken, after they've been crushed, after they've been squeezed, then you get the olive oil. And that olive mill that breaks and crushes and squeezes the olives, forcing the olives to give up the olive oil, that's the word Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane in Hebrew means olive mill. And the place Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives is the place where the olive mill was located and that's where the olives were brought to be broken, to be crushed, to be squeezed, to get the oil out, their olive oil. So in verse 36, Jesus Christ comes to a place called Gethsemane because just like those olives in Gethsemane, Jesus Christ would start his journey of being broken and crushed and squeezed to release the rich supply of his blood to make the atonement for sin and the cleansing for sin. And so then we look at verse 36 differently now, verse 36, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. In a place called Gethsemane, it pleased the Father to bruise Christ, to crush Christ, to break Christ, to squeeze Christ, so that fresh oil of salvation and cleansing could flow from Christ to us. Romans 11, 7, Romans 11, 17. Romans 11, 17, Romans 11, 17. You partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. That's why, because of the olive mill. Now, he comes to the place called Gethsemane, and he's not alone. He's got his disciples with them. It says that in verse 36, verse 36, then cometh Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane. So they arrive there, and he tells, he tells the disciples what they are to do, and he tells the disciples what he's going to do. In verse 36, verse 36, he says unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. So he asked them to sit down and wait for him while he goes a little ways off from them to pray. He won't be far from them, but, but they're to patiently wait for him while he prays. That's what he wants. Just like Abraham. When Abraham came to Mount Moriah, where Abraham intended to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham had traveled there three days to get to this place of Mount Moriah, and then he had servants, Abraham had servants with him, and, but Abraham did not invite his servants to go with him to the top of that mountain, with him and Isaac to the top of Mount Moriah. He just asked them to wait below, wait here, and he says to them in Genesis 22.5, Genesis 22.5, Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. He said that. And so Christ asked the disciples, abide ye here. Well, Christ went yonder, a little bit farther away, to pray. But he doesn't leave all the disciples there to wait. 
He turns now to three of his disciples and he calls those three, you come with me. In verse 37, verse 37, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. He could have called all the disciples to go with them to the place where he's gonna pray, but he didn't. He didn't call them all, he just called the three. He took the three, uh, three there, Peter, James, and John. Those are the same three that Christ invited to walk with him to the top of another high mountain called the Mount of Transfiguration where Christ, where his full glory was displayed. Matthew 17, one, Matthew 17, one, and after six days Jesus take with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment as white as the light. So out of all the disciples, the 12 disciples, he chooses three to go to the top of this mountain so they could see his magnificent glory. And now, the same three are selected by Christ to go with him to this place of his most passionate, his most intimate prayer. He chooses these three. And that raises the question, why? Why those three? Why out of those 12 disciples, why those three? Well, you can also look at that from another point of view. There was one disciple out of the 12 There was only one disciple out of the 12 who put his head on the chest of Christ, and that was in John 13, 23. John 13, 23, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. It was one disciple who had his head on the chest of Christ. That was John, that was the disciple John. That's the only time that we have a record that a disciple put his head on the chest of Jesus. I mean, and then so you can say, well, there were other times when other disciples could have put their head on the chest of Jesus, but the only record we have is of John doing that. So John makes a decision to put his head on the chest of Jesus. He hears the heartbeat of God. He's the only one. And now, that was his decision. And now John and James and Peter are the ones who are invited to go with Christ up to the Mount of Transfiguration and now to go beyond the other disciples to be very close to Christ when he's making this passionate prayer. These were the three. Peter, James, and John, who had expressed in their lives a particular desire to be closer to Christ, and Christ honors their decision with this special invitation to come with him, to come with him, get closer in in his sufferings, in his sufferings. And now we read of a feeling. There's like a, you really get the sense that there's a, there's an attempt to convey to us the feelings that Christ started to feel, and it it begins in verse 37, where there's this attempt to tell us 
what he was feeling. Verse 37 said, he took with them Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. So it's a feeling that's described to us as an intense sorrowful, sorry. He feels so sorry, and he feels a great heaviness, a great burden on him, very heavy. And then he attempts to describe what he's feeling to his three friends here, this Peter, James, and John, in verse 38, verse 38, he saith unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.